HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hola, mi gente, familia. Uh, welcome to another episode of Cooking in Mexican from ADC. Um, one of your hosts, Aaron Sanchez, alongside my beautiful mother. Sarela Martinez. And we are beyond excited. Um, we're talking about a, a subject that uh, really sort of is, hits home for us as a northern uh, Mexican family. And we can talk a little bit about what is going to be happening today, which is Sotol, and many other subjects I'm sure we're going to touch upon. And we're very blessed and very honored to have a guest with us that's visiting, uh, yeah, for, you know, through all the channels that we're, <laughs> we're uh, desperately helping to figure out. And of course, we're talking about Sandro Canovas, uh, is a binational third brick maker turned adobero, okay? So the idea being is, uh, he was raised in Mexico City, he immigrated to Oregon in 1995, and began working with earth-based construction techniques, okay? That's very important. Eventually returned to his uh, his familia, his cultural heritage of the adobe, and then coming back to roots. And after spending 19 years as a seasonal commercial fisherman in the Bering Strait of Alaska, which I've been there, I understand, now he makes home in Presidio County, Texas. And uh, while he's not playing with mud and all these beautiful natural elements, uh, he's advocating and educating people about the traditional uh, sources of sotol and how it is being appropriated, how it's affected the efforts in, U- in U.S. and in, in this relationship uh, in Mexico. So today we're going to do a deep dive into what sotol is, uh, and we want to really figure out the definition of it. So, bienvenido, Sandro. Muchas gracias, Aaron. Muchas gracias, Serena. You know, saludos from West Texas, from La Frontera. And I am really, really happy and thankful uh, to you guys for opening Cantón, Sotol, because destilado. Yeah, it's a new it's a new kid on the block, and 
And the, I think that the most important thing uh, and, and start with around Sotol is that it's not an agave, you know, like mezcal, mezcales and, and tequilas. That is very important to point out since the beginning because I think that the general population and the consumers sometimes, you know, get a lot of false information and they think that this plant called Dacilirion, it's an agave. That's, and, uh, that's the main difference in between <laughs> the Sotol and, and the other Mexican death stillets that are causing such hip these days. In the isn't, that, isn't that related to the onion? Uh, yes, that's, uh, that's a good point to touch. You know, there's been different uh, taxonomic classifications during the during the years, you know, in the '60s, somebody named it an agave, uh, but the, the most recognized it's some it's the one that came out of a a person from the a university in Austin, Texas, and it was done I think in 1994, but published into 1997, where they found out that that the sotoles are uh, more related to onions and asparagus than to agaves. And one thing that is very interesting is when you have a cabeza de sotol and you turn it upside down, it looks like an onion. You know, it has the, you know, and, and, and agave uh, sotoles uh, cabezas are, are very big, but when you turn them, you know, uh, upside down, the way that the, the leaves start from the bottom or from the root of the plant, it really does look like an onion. Okay, so, so really quickly, so how we dif differentiate it from an agave, which we have the piña, obviously, if it's mezcal, it's roasted, if it's tequila, it's, it's steamed and, and, and then distilled and fermented and all that. So what is the actual base of the sotol? What, what are we looking at? So what are we fermenting? What, you know, it's, it's a root. It, it, you know what I mean? Like, it's like a piña, but of what, mom? Is it a cactus? Is it a no, vegetable? No, no. Like, what, what are it's we talking related, about? related to the onion, honey. Okay. Yes, they're called, they're called dacilirians, the sotoles. Mm -hmm. And in the state of Chihuahua, at least there are four species of dacilirians that are distilled. In Mexico, I think we have around seven, you know, people distilled Dacilirion in Oaxaca. They distill it also in Sonora, but they call it differently. But Bacanora. Because of the denomination of origins. The Bacanora, it's actually uh, an agave distillate. Mm, yeah. But the distillate that they make in Sonora out of Dacilirion, they call it Palmilla. Uh, also, it's also very good, but the, the flavors are very different from the sotoles that we have in Chihuahua. Uh, the difference that I can tell you, you know, on uh, it's that yes, in the mezcal, in the in the tequila, they call it piñas. Here in Chihuahua, the the maestros sotoleros in the culture, it's called a cabeza. It's also it's also a plant. That it's uh, that grows above ground, but not like agave. The agaves have big leaves or pencas, 
the, the leaves of the sotoles are very thin, you know, and, and they, are, they look like a, like a palmilla, like a yuca. Sometimes people get confused from those, with those. But, you know, I, that's how you can differentiate it. Some of the species have the, the thorns, the spinas, uh, going up. Others have them looking down. It depends on the region. The ones that are the most known on the type of sotole uh, or dacilirium plants are, are the, the willeri that, that grows in the mountain regions. And in the mountain regions, are the plants have obviously more access to water. And, and, and that makes it a... They change the flavors of the sotoles of the mountain region to have different flavors from the mountain regions. The types of the types of sotol that that we have in Chihuahua are are separated in three. The desert region, that is the the area that is closer to where I live, and it, and it's the one that it has the most extensive. Is extension geographically. The type of sotol that grows in that region, it's called cedrosano. The sotoles of the desiertos come from that variety of sotol. We also have the prairie sotoles that are a, a smaller area around Casas Grandes, Juarez, on that northern region, and Janos also. And in that region, they have both species, the cedrosanum or the willeri that are uh, produced. And again, on the mountain region, uh, you have the willeri. The interesting thing about the, the mountain region sotoles is that there are some maestros sotoleros in that, in, the, in that area that they make ensembles of sotoles that are a mix of sotol with agave. Wow, mom, and, you had a question. You had a question, mom. Well, are the flowers of the of the of those plants also called the sote? And and are they cooking them? You know, because I know that that in in uh, central Mexico, one the flower of one of those uh, agaves or is used as food in Veracruz and they make this very delicious, delicate soup and, and mole. So uh, is the flower eaten? I don't remember. No, with the, with the sotol, that's not the case. The stem, the stem of the sotol, it's also called the quiote. Yeah, and oh, that's delicious eaten. Then the, I mean, yeah, in agave, they're, they're, they're delicious, but with the sotol, uh, it's not eaten because the flowers are very tiny, and and the way that the the quiotes of the sotoles grow, uh, they have the sotoles also have female and male flowers, you know, and and the way that they grow, the when I learned how to differentiate them. It's because the one of the two, they, they curl a little bit, you know? And, and, it, and it also depends on the species 
the color of the stem of the flower. It's called the cooking process. For the for the process of making sotol. Yeah, so so now we, now we understand that it's not an agave, which bomb. I will tell Manny Nahosa, and um, he's a global <laughs> ambassador for Tequila Cazadores, and he he was certain it was some sort of agave distillation. So I can't wait for him to hear this, para que para you know joderlo y y echarle madre. Um, so now we know what it is. Now, how does the process start, Sandro? Please. Yeah. The, the process is very similar of 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 what traditional mezcales uh, are made. The, the the way that it starts is when the maestros, you know, are go to the to the areas where the plant uh, the sotoles grow, and they go they go to cut the plant. In 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 mezcal. Uh, the, or, or tequila to they call it hima. Yeah, here, but hima, uh, yeah. That word that word it's not used. Here the maestros uh, use the word tumbar. Vamos a tumbar sotol. Wow, I it, love that. It's it's the way that uh, that it's called. I've I've been very lucky, you know, to go many times to 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 tumbar sotol with, with maestros, friends of mine. I remember once that I went with with uh, Don Polo Derma and his, with his mulas. There was a man and his son. He was The, the kid was 13 years old. His father had been uh, cutting sotol for 35 years, you know? And I'll, I'll share some photos with you of that time that I went. So the process it starts with the tumba, and the maestro has the knowledge to go and select the plants. You know, they they go, they select the sotoles out. And, of and the, what and, and what is the maturation? So if, if an agave takes five to seven years, you know, depending. So what is the maturation when you can you know you know take him out of the ground? So that's that's a very good question, Aaron. And that later on in our conversation. I want to tie this question to sustainability. Yes, of you course. Know? Go ahead. Go ahead. So, go ahead. We'll, 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 we'll touch it again. We'll touch on it again. The, okay. On the on on the, the maturity, the the age that the the plants of sotol uh, reach maturity when they're ready for harvesting, uh, which is the first process, uh, the first part of the process to make a sotol, uh, on the cedros on the desert region, which is the cedrosanum species. They take in between 15 to more than 30 years to mature. You know, so that's something that we, I always want to share with people. I think that we as consumers have to take these things seriously because our, uh, the rate of consumption that it's happening. So on that on that species on the desert region, it takes between fifteen to more thirty years, and on the mountain region, in between fifteen to eighteen years. Uh, and uh, the other thing that also you have to connect to this is that it takes uh, around fifteen to twenty-two kilos of 
of desert so tall to produce one liter. Oof. So, the, Oof. The, so the yield is very small. The, the yield, yield is very small. So when mm. you the fact that it takes so many years to produce to to mature, and it, it takes so much or, or or certain amount of plant to produce one liter, it should be a concern for everybody. You know, Absolutely. and and yes. it's, so, so so talking about how, so we obviously want people to know more about Sotol, right? What do you think needs to happen in order for that to do? There has to be a sustainability conversation that needs to be had, as you mentioned, right? But what is the flavor profile? So if somebody's never tasted sotol, does it need to have a cocktail that it's paired with? What are some of the flavors that have a good affinity with sotol? Or how do you how do you popularize it in a way that's responsible? These are, these are very important questions. And and uh, you know, I that I want to share with you and your mom and your audience. I personally am 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 you might, might say it, I'm very old school and I don't like drinking cocktails, you know, even though I know bartenders that do an incredible, you know, work with the, with the beauty of the cocktails that they serve. But these, these bartenders that, I, that I've been lucky to know in Chihuahua ha, are surrounded in the cultural landscape that these landscape, that these destillates come from. I personally like drinking the Sotol as it comes from the vinatas, you know, as it comes from the steel. That's okay. the way, you know, that's the way I grew up with a vinata on the ranch. Yes. And our, our, our Nayu Chavez used to run the United in his and his father, I think, was the one, Carly's father used to run it. Where in Chihuahua, Sarela? En Aguasarca, en Chihuahua, en Chihuahua, punto de Janos, pero más siendo la sierra, donde empieza la Sierra Madre. Era un rancho grandísimo de, de 13,000 hectáreas. Qué bonito. Y, y, y estaba en un lugar que se llamaba Aguasarca. Aguasarca. You would chew on the on the piñas and, and spit out the, you take out all the juice and spit out all the... The fiber. The fiber. The fiber, exactly. Uh, and, then have, and then have diarrhea for two weeks, but it was worth it because of the flavor. <laughs> but and it then, was not good. You know? We, we, we would drink it with big glasses of freshly squeezed orange juice. Mm. Uh, yeah, that, you know, you totally transported me to that area. Uh, funny thing, when there, uh, I usually carry a cooked cabeza de sotol on the back of my truck. And I like, I like, <laughs> and I like chewing, <laughs> chewing it, you know. Sandro, so, you're a weirdo. You probably have like adobe. You probably have all kinds of weird stuff in your truck. I can only imagine. But you're I, like, no, you think. <laughs> but no, you know, Aaron, the thing is, this is one of the delicacies that we have in this cultural scape, landscape. So I'm, I have the luck that, you know, I get, go to the vinatas, they're cooking, I get, you know, they they have the cooked cabezas of sotol, uh, and 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 I like your mom described. I love the flavor of the cooked cabeza of sotol. You know, it has so much sugars that you can just chew on it and chew on it and chew on it. You know, and I also like I like carrying the cabeza of sotol 
because I can share it with friends. You know, this is something. This this is something of the culture, the the regional gastronomy that people have never experienced. You know, and and I agree. And, and I like sharing it with whoever, and because it's already cooked and the high content of sugars, it 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 doesn't go bad for a long time. Yeah, so, so let, let, let's let's talk about the so tequila has to be forty percent alcohol to come into the United States, right? So what is the alcohol levels with, and what are some of the regulations behind sotol, right, to get it into the states and understand all that? So people, you know, because I think that has a lot to do. What do you think? Okay, what I'm, I'm right before I answer that question. I'm gonna step back a little bit and I'm gonna tell you of the similarity of the process. Yes, so please, it's please. Harvested, please. It's harvested and in, in the hills, depending on the region, then it's brought to the vinatas, you know. Usually when the maestros harvest the, the, the cabezas de sotol, they put it in, a, in these baskets that are called langarillas on the sides of the, of the burros or the mulas. And there you see the burritos all loaded with, with cabezas de sotol, you know, going into the communities. Then it's brought to the vinatas. Once it's brought to the vinatas, the sotol cabezas are cooked in, in an horno, an underground horno, you know? Underground. The, Okay. The the yeah, it's not like tequila that it's cooked in kilns above ground. You know, all the sotoles, uh, traditional sotoles, are cooked underground in in hornos that usually can uh, hold between 200, 300 cabezas. Then uh, an horno of that size it takes about three three days to be cooked. And then, and then they, heat, they put hot stones on it, or what? They put how did, how did, yeah. They put stones on the side of the oven, and then oh, they no, put no. they put the the volcanic stones. Then they put the to as a liner, mm. and then, and then they put the wood on the bottom. They put on what the, the wood on the bottom. Wood? What uh, kind of wood? It depends on the availability, you know. There's people that use a lot of mesquite. It depends on the region, you know, because, for example, in the mountain region, they don't have the mesquites that they have in the desert region. And, and then they lead that, then they put stones on top of that because otherwise the, and palms, the, the cabezas will uh, burn immediately. Then they put the cabezas de sotol they cover them with palm trees and then they put the the tarps and and dirt and and for 3 days the maestros and their helpers or their families you know because many times the family it's involved in the whole process you know they're there looking after the horno for 3 days uh, Many times they dig a hole, or the way that it's cooking, it, it opens up somewhere, and they put uh, a palo so they can they can pour water, you know, while, while the horno is cooking, so the the cabezas don't burn. Then they open the horno three days after, and 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 then the next process is to smash those 
heads. The cabezas of Sotol traditionally are smashed with axes. You know, it's made by hand. So, yeah, you know, uh, one of the things, you know, that it's interesting, Sarela uh, and Aaron, is that uh, the tequilas and mezcales uh, many times are harvested and, uh, with a coa, with this kind of round blade. The sotoles, the sotoles are all harvested with an axe. And wow. also, it's so, so, not so, 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 so you, when you mean an axe, you mean that that's how they extract them from the ground? Yes. They, okay. No, they, 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 they use a, a rev, a rebar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. to to cut the connection between the stem, uh, the bottom of the cabeza, and the root. They pop it, you know. They hit it a few times. I mean, I've seen maestros, you know, that they they do it so quick in like one or two times, and poof. They, but then the leaves are trimmed with an axe. And what do, you, what do they do with the what do they do with the sticks? With the leaves, you know, oh, the, leaves, the, yeah. the, the maestros they don't use anything. They they don't use it. But one thing that is really beautiful on how all that the tarahumaras use it to to make a cesteria. To, oh, to make, that's cool. To make baskets, and I wow. actually, and I actually know a couple of of people in the industry uh, that through a friend are making a connection. Uh, his wife uh, was the director of the Comisión Estatal of Pueblos Indígenas, and they're trying to make a connection. So those leaves are harvested or collected when they're harvesting sotol, and then they brought and, and, and be brought to the Tarahumara communities that are usually very far away. So the communities have access to those leaves and they can build their, their, their baskets and help their economy in La Sierra. Wow. I'm, I'm, very, cool. I'm very, very supportive of, of projects like that, as you and can so, imagine. And so are we. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I, th I think it's important, you know, that people make that commitment, you know, and so there is a benefit for, for both. You know, because otherwise those leaves would stay just out there in, in, in nature. So that is the, that's how the process is made. You were asking me about the flavor profiles, and you asked me also about the ABV, the, the degrees the of ABV. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. 
You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. So if, if, if a gringo's coming and they have sotol, because I have it in my restaurant, um, and I try to explain to a customer and we bring sotol out and we say, you want to have a little uh, a taste of Mexico, and that especially where we're from, from the north, here's sotol. What do you think we should tell our staff how to explain the flavor profile? Okay. That's, a, that's a very good question, Aaron. You know, I, for me, it's very interesting how in the gastronomy or bar or liquor industry in the United States, people describe the flavors or the aromas of the sotoles, you know, because the way that, I, that, that the maestros describe them are very different. You know, when I, when I hear the bartenders or the brand owners describing the, the for example, the, the, let's go for the most complexes, you know, the ones that are, in my opinion, the, mar, the more flavorful of the sotoles, which are the ones from the mountain region. They, they, the ones from the mountain region, like for example, in the city of Madera, where I have uh, uh, a few friends uh, that, that produce sotoles there, when people try the sotoles of that region, the, the people go and describe them as being floral many times, that it has junipers, uh, that it has uh, flavors of wood. When, when you talk to the people in those regions, the, the, the first thing that most of everybody would tell you is that they, the, the, the flavor and the aromas are of tierra mojada. You know that, that, you know, oh yeah, Petricor. And and for me, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm very familiar with the, with the, with the Sotoles. And, and many times you don't have to taste them. Yes. Just with the, with this, with the aroma, I can tell you if it's a desert Sotol or a mountain Sotol, because the flavors are, and the aromas are very different. People describe the desert sotoles as being leathery, peppermenty, more dry. And uh, I think that those are the basic differences. They come, these flavors come from different uh, species of sotol, from different regions, you know, that give them these aromas. I also think that the fact that these plants live in very extreme weather conditions, you know, in the desert, in the desert region, the Sotol can be at night at minus 20 Celsius and during the day at over 110 Fahrenheit, you know, on the same day. It also depends on how loud they're gonna cook them. If they're gonna be smoky, or not smoking, you know. It's, it's then... all smoked. All the, tra- I mean, the, the traditional sotoles are smoked, even though these days there's people that are, uh, because the, 
where uh, Sotol is going with its industrializations, there's people that use diffusers, mm-hmm, you know, and, and because they want to maximize yields and, and, and the flavors of the Sotoles changed. You know? so, so, Sandro, uh, what would what would be your ultimate goal for Sotol, and how does it how does it move forward? What would you want to see happen? You know, like 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 what 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 would you like? Would you imagine it being in in, in retail shops? Do you imagine it being you know served derecho in, in in certain restaurants and then preserving the legacy of it? Like, what do you think is the future of Sotol, and how how do we put the word out? How do we do that? You know what I mean? You know that that's uh, that's something that I it's a very absolute question Aaron. Obviously my take on Sotol has been always to to preserve traditions, you know, and and to take care of the natural resource, but the reality is that the industry is pushing Sotol into industrialization. And with that because they're looking at the cocktail industry. You know, that's, that's where a lot of the market is going. And I think that each person or each brand owner chooses their niche. You know, there's brands that sell Sotol as it comes out of this, the steel. You know, those are the Sotoles that I like to drink. You know, the ones that have higher AVVs, you know, you go to the communities and the Sotoles are a hundred, a hundred and ten, you know. I understand that those are not Sotoles for everybody, but those are the Sotoles that we're, we're used to drink. Those are the Sotoles that your mom grew up with. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, you know, and, I, I do have something to inject here because, uh, you know, this... Uh, my first boyfriend was related to the the person that had the the you know the the minata at the ranch, and his father had learned from the Chinese who were there building the railroads in Casas Grandes mm-hmm. how to do a rattlesnake sotol. So every year they go out and do a rattlesnake roundup and cut the head and take out the poison. And and make some sotol with with vibora. And it was supposed to be like a like a a, a, a healing a healing you know thing. And and today when I was looking up at sotol and the internet, there was one named vibora. Mm, yes, there's some people that make that uh, that sotol, and you are one of the few people, Sarela, that I've heard. You know, that there is that connection in between the railroad workers and the Sotol making on the region that you are describing. Obviously, nowadays, that has, has that, 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 that kind of Sotol has spread, you know, and I think that it, it depends on everybody's taste. I personally like the Sotoles that they come straight from the steel. Well, you me know? too, but I mean, but that's that's possible for you, but that's not possible for me. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I think that there's access into the United States uh, for those types of sotoles. Funny thing, yesterday I saw a friend of mine 
and that I had promised some Sotol, and I had brought him a, a, a higher proof, and he didn't accept the bottle I gave him. He didn't like it? No, he wanted uh, what? No, I mean, he liked it, but he cannot drink it. It's too heavy for him. And, uh, <laughs> well, you know, if, if, uh, if you, you know, I don't know if you know any other Gabinondo family, you know, that has all those ranches put together there in, in that area. Starting with ours and, and going, that's, that's my that's my family. So if you ever so if you ever have one, drop it by the Santanita and have them send it to me. Of course, you are yes yes I can I can I I will be very happy to help you with that. Or, or I will send you a mailing address in Texas, which will be better. Or here. Yes, we can do that. Uh, we we can do that. I I I can arrange for that to be shipped to you. That would be uh, wonderful. But you know, because I think you dis you you should try different sotoles from different regions. And one thing that I I wanna say on all this is that you know, with the process, the 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 tendencies of consumptions of the Mexico that are are being are happening with the distillates in 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 these new markets. The, what is happening is that the traditions are getting dissolved or destroyed because there's more extraction and putting more pressure on the producers. And that's where a lot of the, the flavors and the gusto histórico, eh, it's going to get lost. You so know? then the, the key is to do specialty ones. Exactly. And, and I think, and I think another part too, mom, is like, as we say, we say on, on, on our on our podcast is, you know, the conversation is never over; it's just beginning, right? And I think, Sandro, you have so much to give and so much to share. Uh, I think it's important to let people know how they can how can, they can contact you and continue this conversation because, sadly, you know, we only have a certain amount of time. But um, yeah, how how do people reach out to you? Well, I have an, an Instagram uh, account under El Adovero where people can see the, the a lot of the stuff that I do around Sotol. Uh, now, right now, we had been taking a break after for about two months because we were working a lot on putting pressure on one of the producers here in Texas to respect the denomination of origin of Sotol. Uh, happily, we were able to to put them in a position where they removed the name Texas Otol from their bottles, but they're still using a destilado of 100% of, of Otol, which for many of us, that's not enough. You know, they, we want them to remove the word Otol from their, from their labels. And the reason why they're using that word Sotol is because they know that the word Sotol has a very heavy historical and cultural weight that they can capitalize on. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They're recently But now I guess we have to say adios. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But here's the deal. First of all, we are so, so grateful to have you, Sandro, here visiting with us on Cooking in Mexican from ADC. 
of course, on Heritage Radio Network. And if you want more information, we're going to put up more stuff on heritageradionetwork.org. And then any links, any more information, questions that you might have, please engage the site. Because like we like to say, the conversation never ends. It's just beginning. And um, Sandro, muchísimas gracias por, por estar con nosotros y compartir Todo tu, todo tu sabiduría, everything that you are. I mean, thank you so much. You're, you're, you're amazing. And I hope we have you back and we'll talk about another spirit and we can talk more on this conversation. And we have Muchis- to talk about adobe, Sandy. I know. And then we have to talk about adobe too. But we're going to yeah. get to that. So, muchísimas gracias. Thank you, Aaron. I replied to your mom on the adobe today, but for some reason the, the email and the photos of the adobes in Chihuahua didn't go through. But one thing I, I gotta I wanna I wanna say besides thank you before we finish the conversation is that the best way that I think that for people to learn about Sotol it's to come visit Chihuahua. Exactly. You know? And 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 I always tell that to people, you know. Uh, uh, it's it's safe to travel, it's safe to travel to Chihuahua City and these regions from from El Paso cr- crossing to Juarez, you know, you can take it's the bus, good. you can ride a car. It's safe to travel. I always encourage people, you know, years ago, uh, like four years ago, I took Anthony Bourdain south, you know, and, and the plan was he was going to come back and we were going to go and see, uh, to see Abinata. He had never tried Sotol, you know, I introduced him to Sotol. So it's safe to come to Marfa, if people come to Marfa, look for me, you know, like we and, and we will be there. And I can and I would love to take you, you know. It's something that I always do. If my well, let's friends... go let's go to the Cosmico. The Cosmico <laughs> y, y echamos desmadre, mi rey. Me encantaría hacerlo contigo. Ah, claro, Están de verdad se los digo. Uh, everybody's welcome, you know. They can contact me. There's a distillery not far from the border, like an hour and an hour half. I have the vinatas, and we can go visit. And I think that's the best way that people can learn about these beautiful landscapes and the pueblos and the people and the culture where where and the work, you know, that requires to 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 make the, this wonderful desolate from the north of Mexico. Okay. Un gustazo, mi rey. Te mando, te mando abrazos, mi, mi Sandro, ¿ok? Querido. Gracias. Gracias, 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 Arela. Cooking in Mexican from A to Z is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. Una más en mis entrañas